You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's your host, Aram Layton. Welcome back to Locked On MLB Prospects, your only daily podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball, brought to you by Built Bar. Today, I'm going to be talking about Devin Williams. I've talked about him a little bit in the past, but now with the Rookie of the Year race wide open, I don't want to do a whole episode dedicated to the Rookie of the Year race again because I'll just do it when the awards come out, but I am going to make my Devin Williams case in general as I'm just going to talk about everything about this guy because he is really unique and an amazing story, really no way around it, has been maybe one of the biggest surprises this season and underrated surprises. And I don't think the Brewers are in the postseason without him. I mean, the Brewers offense has been atrocious. Their pitching staff has had some nice surprises. Him along with Corbin Burns, two guys that really just bounced back and had major improvements. Burns was terrible last year. Williams struggled mightily in spring training before COVID-19 and before the quarantine, then during the quarantine, really honed in on his changeup. That changeup from Williams is the best pitch in baseball for 2020. There's no disputing it. I will not let anybody tell me anything otherwise. It is the best pitch in baseball this year. I mean, hitters are two for 62 against it with 41 strikeouts. It's a .32 batting average. They started 0 for 55 against that changeup. And The big thing with him, right, is only 27 innings this year in an abbreviated season. 27 innings is actually a lot given the shortened season, but how can you really say, okay, this guy would have done this on a macro scale on a 162-game season if he only threw 27 innings? I can understand that argument, especially when we're talking about maybe accolades, rookie of the year, and all that good stuff. But I mean, we're considering hitters like Alec Bohm and Jay Cronenworth, who had 150 at-bats. I think it's pretty relative in that regard. Cronenworth really slowed down, hit about a buck fifty over the last 24 games, so it really is anybody's race now. I think Alec Bohm is so good and was really so consistent. 338 batting average. It's going to be really hard to dethrone a guy with a 400 on base, too, from Rookie of the Year, just in terms of sheer offensive production. But if we look at Devin Williams, what he did this year, again, small sample size, so it's hard to compare it to previous years. But if he was able to put together, let's say, 60 innings, you know, this would be maybe one of the best reliever seasons of all time. Really that good, especially in the modern era. And that is, when you look at his numbers, let's just talk about his numbers overall. 27 innings, .033 ERA, .86 FIP, 53% K rate, which is 17.7 strikeouts per nine innings. Nearly 18 strikeouts per nine innings. That is absurd a .89 opponent batting average, and a .63 whip. I mean, there's nobody in baseball that has comparable numbers to that. No reliever. Nobody. So you know he's the best reliever in baseball this year. Better than his teammate Josh Hader, who has won that Reliever of the Year award back-to-back years. The Brewers, again, would not be in the postseason without him. He's been that bridge between their mediocre starting pitching and Josh Hader. He's been that bridge, and he really was the guy that they could count on all year long. I mean, he only gave up one run. It's just unreal at what he's been able to do. And his story is interesting because he struggled before COVID and then during quarantine. And this is the interesting thing because a lot of the prospects I've talked to, they've said the same thing. They used 
that quarantine time to really work on pitches that they didn't get a chance to work on in the past. And that is something that I think is a silver lining out of all of this is if you're going to experiment and tinker, you're not going to do that when you're a young guy trying to earn a spot on a team in spring training or when you are making your major league debut or you're just getting your feet wet in the bigs. That's not really the time to tinker. So this was an opportunity for guys that were really trying to make a big step or trying to completely overhaul their arsenal and try something new to really be able to figure that out. Williams was a second round pick out of high school and he was initially looked at as a starting pitcher, but he really just did not have the swing and miss stuff that a starting pitcher you would want to have. The changeup was never really a huge part of his arsenal. He was more of a cutter, fastball guy, used to throw a breaking ball early on, really kind of phased that out. And by the time he was made a reliever in 2019, he, he was okay. He pitched to a high threes ERA and overall was really going to a sinker more frequently. The changeup was only thrown 36% of the time, went to the sinker slash two-seamer, you could call it either way, 39% of the time. That was his favorite pitch in 2019. And then the four-seamer, just 22% of the time. 2020, as you mentioned, the, the changeup is his best pitch. And for good reason, he throws it 53% of the time this year with the fastball 41% of the time, actually 42% almost at 41.8. So he really hones in on this changeup. And it was so good that he throws it more than every other pitch. That's crazy. But the reason why he's able to throw it so much and for it to still work is when he was trying to figure out that changeup, and Sports Illustrated did a really good piece on this, when he was trying to figure out that changeup, he was experimenting. And before, he was throwing it too hard. If you look at the velocity, he's throwing it softer now. So one, you get more separation between the fastball and the changeup. But two, when he was throwing it harder, it didn't have as much break to it or as much depth. Now it has it. And he's able to manipulate it well now, too. Because when he was tinkering, he was experimenting with different grips, a little bit more pressure, on certain fingers, and he's able to generate a ridiculous amount of spin. I mean, he's right around 2,500 RPMs on the changeup. The average changeup is right around 1,700 RPMs. But if he really wants to, he said that he can dial it up to 3,000 RPMs on that changeup, and it'll break even more. So we're seeing at-bats here where guys are coming in against Williams, and he'll just throw them three straight changeups, and they'll miss all three because all three changeups will be different. One will be more of a screwball type. One will be a little bit harder. And then he'll throw something in between. It's utterly absurd. And I will put it up on the YouTube channel that I'm about to launch. I'm very excited about. And that's a breakdown that I'm going to do because it is amazing to see how he attacks hitters. It's just maybe the worst nightmare for guys. And the fact that he can do that makes it effective against lefties and righties. There's nothing worse than a pitcher when you're a hitter that you know can throw the changeup in any count. And now you imagine that the changeup can be manipulated, softer, harder, and then he'll still go to that fastball and he throws it in the mid to upper 90s. So now it just looks even worse because you don't know if you're going to get the super soft changeup, the screwball type, or you're going to get the changeup that's a little bit harder but still fades, or he's going to throw you the fastball and just blow it by you. And as a result, the changeup, it's just a better pitch. So obviously his swing and miss rates jump, but they doubled. 31% to 61% in terms of swinging and missing from hitters. Then with the fastball, this is where it's really interesting. The fastball, only 16% swing and miss rate in 2019. That jumps to 40%, nearly triples. 
And I don't think it's because the fastball changed at all. It probably didn't whatsoever. But he is able to play off of that changeup with the fastball. Typically, it's the other way around, right? You're working the changeup off of the fastball. Instead, he's working the fastball off of the changeup. And you imagine, if you're sitting on a changeup, which you have to do with Devin Williams with how nasty it is, and he throws you the fastball, you're either not going to swing or you're going to swing very, very late. So it makes sense that his swinging strike or swing and miss rate is way up. But 40% on a fastball is one of the best rates in the bigs, if not the best. And when you look across his numbers, it makes sense. The fact that he's just able to do this with two pitches is, is really impressive. And it's more like three or four pitches because of what he's able to do with manipulating that changeup. Is this enough of a sample size to be the rookie of the year? And how does this season compare to others? That's something I'm excited to get into, which I will talk about in a second here. But first, I got to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar has six brand new amazing flavors to go with the 12 already very good flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and carrot cake, just to name a few. It's great for the health conscious guy or girl that's either looking to lose weight or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for a keto diet. I'll give you a quick flavor profile. I think last time I did peanut butter, I'll give you coconut almond this time. 18 grams of protein, only 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And for a limited time, you can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. For $10 off your next order and potentially a cooler as well while supplies last. So Devin Williams, how does he compare to relievers in the past that have had special seasons and some of the best relief seasons of all time? Again, I have to acknowledge time and time again the sample sizes, especially with relievers, because in nature, relievers are incredibly volatile. But Williams, really, what he's doing has... Very little to make you come away with, oh, this is a flash in the pan, right? The swing and miss numbers are just off the charts. And something that's really important too is you can make the case shortened season, you know, guys didn't get a chance to see him enough. They may have figured him out. But in this season, you play your division so many times that he was getting time and time again facing the same lineup. And he even mentioned it when he struck out, I believe it was... Nick Castellanos, who he struck out on three changeups. And he said, I had not pitched him like that all year. And it just, that's when it resonated with me. Like, oh, he has faced him several times already. And that's the thing is most of his innings were probably against the same three teams, maybe four teams. And that's where it's even more impressive to put together a season like this as a reliever because they've seen him. And it's not like this mystery to him where in the beginning of the season, sure, you know, he definitely was a guy that kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody was geared up for the Brewers early in the season talking about Devin Williams. But after maybe 10 outings, which is still not even half of his season in terms of innings pitched, let's say after 10 innings pitched, people already were paying attention to Devin Williams. I think you have one at bat against Devin Williams. You see one changeup, and you're going back to the dugout and telling your entire team, what the hell was that thing? And that's why Rob Friedman... The pitching ninja calls it an airbender. You're going to go back to your dugout and say, 
that's the best changeup I've seen in a long time. And that's why I think people were definitely prepared for Devin Williams going forward. It just didn't help and it didn't work because he was just so darn nasty. I'm trying to think of a season, and I was trying to think of a season, that compares to anything that Devin Williams did this year. And again, it's going to be 80-plus innings for the other relievers. And one of the best relief seasons of all time, and really in recent history, is Blake Trinan and what he did in 2018. A little bit of a look over his numbers. 80 and a thirds innings, .780 RA, a 32% K rate, which is great, a 1.82 FIP, 0.83 whip, a 157 opponent batting average, which is all really good figures. That's three times the innings of Devin Williams. So, you know, you got to try and understand that Devin Williams probably is not pitching to a 0.86 FIP in 80 innings. I'm sure he would have slowed down a little bit, but you could probably make the case that Williams would have beat Trinan's numbers. I mean, he was encroaching on 30 innings. We'll see in the postseason now how his numbers are. You know, he'll probably get, I don't expect the Brewers to do much, but they'll at least play two more games. So he'll probably eclipse the 30 inning mark because there's no way he doesn't pitch in the first or second game if it's a close one. 30 innings, you know, it's a little bit more than a third of the way of trying in season, but the numbers are just so ridiculous that he could be half as good in another 40 games and still be right on par with with Blake Trinan's numbers. And Trinan finished sixth in Cy Young voting that year for a reliever. I mean, not even a closer, just a reliever. That is incredible. And he actually got some distant MVP votes, finishing 15th. And which reminds me, if you look at some of the MVP voting from like the late 90s, early 2000s, and guys that were finishing 15th were hitting like 45 home runs. And it's just funny looking now, you know, a couple years ago, a reliever was finishing 15th, and it just shows how the game has changed so much. But this was a historic season by Trinan. No way around it. I mean, to have 80 innings pitched and have a whip well under one is incredible. But with what Williams has done, he, he could have really been mediocre for 30 innings and still been right around the same figures as Trinan. So that's where you got to think here. If we're just considering that you know, all sample sizes are pretty much a third to a fourth of what they typically should be, then Williams isn't really far off of anybody else that should be considered. And with most players finishing kind of slow besides Alec Bohm, as I mentioned, Cronenworth really struggled down the stretch there. It's got to be a two-man race between Williams and Bohm, and that's where it's really tough. And that's where I think it's a toss-up. You're going to see both guys get some votes. I think typically you're going to probably see the offensive guy get the edge because it's just the way it is. But the case for Devin Williams is the guy was near perfect in a game that is full of imperfections. That's the amazing thing about Devin Williams. He's as close to perfect as we've seen in a long time, even though it's a small body of work. It's still, for the scale of body of work, it's probably as close to perfect as we've seen with that many innings pitched. And that has to be acknowledged. And I hope that he at least gets strong consideration for Rookie of the Year, as I do think it's going to be hard to dethrone Alec Bohm. I think you can't go wrong with either guy. I'm sorry, Jake Cronenworth. It's just crazy how fast things change with this shortened season. It's got to be between Devin Williams and Alec Bohm. Let me know what you think on Twitter. Definitely fire some tweets at LO underscore MLB prospects. Let me know who you think should be the NL Rookie of the Year. And whether I sold you a little bit 
on Devin Williams at least getting some consideration because I think he definitely should. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I'm looking forward to a lot more fun episodes ahead and we're going to be busy during the offseason too. Prospect talk doesn't stop in the offseason. It might even pick up, especially when trade season starts again. International free agency will be encroaching on draft talk. I'm already going to be talking draft for 2021 before you know it, and plenty of new things coming up on the horizon. Looking forward to that. Thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.